You're listening to the MoneyWeb Now podcast series with Simon Brown. Live streamed every weekday at 6.30 a.m. Wednesday, 1st of February, Fed interest rate decision after our close today. I think quarter percent up. Uh, I'm Simon Brown, coming at you live and loud from the MoneyWeb Global Headquarters in Johannesburg, South Africa. On the show today, chatting with Mateta Tulari from RMB. The Vodacom update, not bad on the surface, but a lot of help from the Egyptian acquisition uh, and some currency gains flattering those numbers. Isaac Odendahl from Old Mutual Wealth Investment. Uh, inflation is it defeated? U.S. dollar strength, is that over? If those two can be true, is the uh, soft landing the more likely option? And then uh, Natalie Kievert, uh, Executive Operations at PPS, saving for retirement but doing so tax efficiently. The show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. Morning headlines from MoneyWeb KZN Estate Agent Sentiment Plummets now lower than during the right. Immigration from all over the country is going to the Western Cape. Uh, business Day, ShopRite spends 560 million on diesel as interim sales rise 11%. Uh, that growth was mostly due to price increases, not so much volume, but that diesel cost for the six months is about 10% off operating profit. Morning markets, US was green, S&P up 1.5%, NASDAQ just ahead 1.6% higher. Asia, green, Sydney up 04 and Tokyo up 0.2%. Commodities, green, gold 1,942, Brent 85.49, Platinum 1,017, Palladium 1,634, Rand 1741, Bitcoin 23,100, Tencent is down 0.2% in the Hong Kong lunch break and top 40 looking for a green open, 320 points to the upside, just over 0.4 of a percent. MoneyWeb now on the money. Also available on podcast. Chatting now with uh, Mateta Tulari, he's head of FX Execution at RMB. Mateta, appreciate the early morning as always. The Vodacom trading update, and this is for the quarter ending December. I mean, revenue was up quite nicely, almost 15%. Uh, it's some, some good numbers there. Uh, third quarter customer numbers increasing. But I mean, digging into it, it looked like a lot of help from, from the Egyptian acquisition and actually some, some, some currency gains that kind of helped the numbers, which otherwise would have been a, perhaps a tougher quarter. Good morning, Simon. You're very much right. I mean, Vodacom is uh, seeing its newly acquired Egyptian operation as the next big driver um, for already, you know, its dominant financial services unit, which now makes up a sixth of the group's business. I mean, in turn, if you look at the group is looking to take advantage of the Egyptians, uh, you know, software development progress and also to bolster its wider goal of becoming a technology company. I mean, already yesterday, if you saw how they're now saying that they're going to be evolving from a telco to a techno, to, mm-hmm. to a technology company, you know, so already they reported double digit growth in the quarter ending December, um, after obviously consolidating the results from uh, from Vodafone Egypt. I mean, if you remember, late last year, they completed the acquisition for about $2.7 billion. Uh, and I mean, that is um, the 55% stake there in Vodafone. Um, I think this is another move by Vodacom in reorganizing its assets. Um, and I think already just the acquisitions means 
that their population reach is now exceeding 500 million people across Africa. And I think it just provides you with a clear growth path for Vodacom that they are looking at expanding into the rest of the continent. And I mean, also, um, one other thing I think that really contributed to them, and obviously, as you can see, that the reason why they're evolving to a technology company is the fact that there's an unbanked population of around yeah. 74% in, in, in Egypt. And I think this is a compelling uh, market opportunity for Vodacom, especially in Egypt. I think that the scope there is to leverage the financial services platforms that they use, such as Mpesa and Vodapay. But I mean, if you look at Vodacom and MTN, I mean, they've leveraged their infrastructure to diversify their revenue bases into financial services. So it just kind of shows you already what's their next thinking. I think particularly on the continent where the levels of penetration are still low. And I think, is, as I said earlier, they're evolving from a telco to a techno. But in addition to the financial services, I think they're looking at making sure that the Egyptian in-house software development is obviously uh, bringing them in alignment with the Internet of Things and Solutions and obviously digital services. But I mean, if you just look at the numbers quickly, group revenue was up 15%, mm -hmm. uh, stripping out Vodacom, stripping out Vodacom uh, in Egypt and the week around, group revenue was going to be at 4.7%. So it just tells you a story. And I think also the other key number to look at is obviously how they've lost about 800,000 um, consumers here in South Africa. And I mean, that shrunk uh, their, their client base and their core market. But nonetheless, I think for me, the other interesting thing is the revenue in the financial services. I mean, that is the fast, fastest growing contributor to, uh, to the group. I mean, that rose 30%. Uh, to 2.6 billion and it mainly speaks to what we spoke about earlier which is the demand for financial services the likes of the M-Pesa platform uh, which is showing double digit growth um, also in the insurance policy and airtime advancement of sales in South Africa so it just shows you that the diversification uh, comes at this point because voice calls are declining data yep. prices are also under under pressure and therefore obviously profits are dropping and I think the, the likes of MTN and Vodacom, obviously the two telco companies are allocating billions of rand in capital expenditure uh, to upgrade their infrastructure. And don't forget, I mean, as much as we speak about all these numbers, but I think for them also, the fact that they operate with the network towers, uh, also with load shedding, it, it is something <laughs> that they need to also keep in mind as well. Yeah, that load shedding is a good point. We saw it in the ShopRite numbers. And I take your point, tech companies, fintech companies, that's where they're moving towards. Mateta Tolari head, FX execution RMB appreciate the early morning. Your money gives a damn. If it could protest and sign petitions, your money would. But your money can do more than that. When you invest in Stanlib's infrastructure investment fund, beyond getting solid returns, you are helping to build a more sustainable future through job creation and positive economic growth. Damn right you are. Invest for more impact at stanlib.com forward slash more. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. MoneyWeb now on the money. 
Telling out Isaac Odendar, old mutual wealth investment strategist. Isaac, appreciate the early morning time. Let's start with, with inflation. Uh, certainly the U.S. coming down what from uh, just over 9% down to 6.4%. Eurozone a little slower. South Africa a little bit sticky. Are we brave enough? Are you brave enough at this point to say it looks like inflation has peaked and, and, and the worst is, is behind uh, us and, and, and developed markets at the same time? Yeah, that's the good morning, Simon. That's the easy call is to say the worst is behind us. If you, um, you know, we had quite an extraordinary surge in inflation across the world, led by commodity prices. You had goods prices. You had all the various supply chain disruptions related to the pandemic and the war and so on. I think it's safe to say that most of that is behind us, the, 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 and therefore inflation is coming down and is coming down to more reasonable levels. Um, although, as you mentioned, not you know not simultaneously across all countries, mm. but, but generally speaking, it's coming down. Um, you know, the bigger question is rather where does it settle? Yeah. Um, and, and does it settle at a level that is that is acceptable to central banks? Um, and I think, you know, that is, that is unknown. Um, you know, there's, there's many views of, of how this could unfold. There are many suggestions that, for instance, you know, we, that the world has completely changed, that uh, the way that companies do business has changed, the way supply chains are organized, mm-hmm. that has changed, that, uh, you know, you can see persistent upward inflation from commodity prices, you know, as we go into start the, the energy transition and so on. Um, and of course, the, the, the kind of more immediate, so those are sort of longer term issues. And then the more immediate issue is just, you still have evidence of very strong labor markets yeah, yeah. In, in developed countries. And um, yeah, so, so, so the question there is, as long as people earning solid wages because unemployment is low, that means they've got spending power, that means they can, they can put upward pressure on, especially services inflation. Uh, which tends to be more sensitive to wages. Yeah, I mean, that U.S. 3.5% is just, I mean, their unemployment is just astounding. But this, I mean, central banks are then looking at this. I mean, they're not going to perhaps stop increasing and certainly decreases is a long way off. But do they do they slow it? I mean, we've got the MPC later today. So not the MPC, the FOMC. And, and the sense seems to be maybe a quarter percent. Maybe the, the increases continue, but at a slightly slower pace. Yeah, so I think the, the, the U.S. Fed, I mean, those officials all do lots of speeches and they, they yeah. try very carefully to signal <laughs> the intentions. And I think they've signaled a quarter point interest rate raise today and maybe there's one more um, a few weeks down the line. But I think we're close to the, to, the, to the peak in U.S. interest rates. As much as there's uncertainty about inflation, I think they will soon get to a stage where they say we've done enough. We can stand back and we can kind of see how things unfold. But as you mentioned, I think the, the bar for cutting rates is is still quite high. And that's the one area where the market is maybe a little bit overexcited because the market is pricing in rate cuts as soon as the second half of this year, whereas <laughs> the Fed officials have been quite clear to say we will not start cutting rates until we have confidence that inflation is not going to reemerge. Yeah. And that's the big lesson that they took from the 1970s where, you know, you had kind of stop-start interest rate cycles and... Um, in the end, you know, inflation got out of control because it, it never got completely nipped in the bud in the first instance. 
Yeah, it's, I take your point on that. It is that that reemergence, and in some ways, a reducing inflation becomes inflationary because, for example, my petrol price or gas price comes down. I go spend the money. The, the risk there. Moving to the U.S. dollar, one of the features of last year and and in fact 2021 to a degree was huge strength in the U.S. dollar. That seems to have peaked. And typically, a strong dollar is 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 because of global fears. You you worried about things, so you take money into the U.S. That seems to have peaked, and 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 that that certainly is perhaps good for 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 the rest of the world, equity markets, currencies, and the like, and and taking some of the pressure off. Yeah, absolutely. So, the, so the dollar, yeah, the dollar is is I always say it's a, it's both a cause of stress in the rest of the world. It's also a symptom of stress. Mm. So, so the more the dollar strengthens, the more it causes pain because, of course, the rest of the world needs the dollars for for financial reasons, commercial reasons. Uh, trading, etc. So when dollars become expensive and scarce, it, it puts pressure on pretty much everyone else. We've seen in South Africa our interest rates had to go up pretty much yeah. in response to a, a strong dollar, not so much in response to domestic inflation. So, yeah, so, so a weaker dollar, a softer dollar is definitely good news for the rest of the world. It tells you that, uh, you know, there's less stress on markets, but it also in turn makes it easier to do business across the world and that is and that is good news so then on balance a, a lot of the the fears from, from from last year are they're not gone but they are kind of receding in many ways one of them was the recession story hard landing soft landing in your note you used the the softish landing the the soft or softish landing is, is could is it fair to say that's now the more likely outcome it's still very difficult to know. I think the good news is if you look outside the U.S., mm-hmm. you know, we have more confidence now that Europe is, is not going to experience a hard landing because, because the energy situation there has changed quite, quite substantially. And then, of course, in China, zero COVID has been lifted, and therefore we, you, know, you can expect pretty decent growth coming out of China as, as, as that economy reopens and rebounds. Uh, the U.S. is still a bit of a question mark. It is still growing quite nicely at the moment. It's still quite strong. But, of course, the, the thing about interest rate increases is they take time to, to filter through the economy. Um, mm. You know, just to give you one sort of stat, I mean, the, the, the construction industry is still going very strong in the U.S. because there's a backlog of houses that need to be finished. Um, you know, houses that were put into you know, where construction was started, you know, long ago. Mm. But the forward-looking numbers for that construction sector are absolutely terrible because given the high interest rates, no one wants to you know, buy a new house going forward. So, so a lot of those kind of um, the lag effect of interest rate increases still need to come through the system. And therefore, there is still a possibility that the U.S. Look, the US economy is going to slow down. You know, and and whether, whether it ends up being a recession or not, um, we, we will have to see. But, but definitely it, it will slow down. Um, but I think to your point, I think some of the worst case scenarios that, that we were worried about towards the end of last year, those look like they will not materialize. We'll leave it there, Isaac Odendor, Old Mutual Wealth Investment Strategist. Isaac, always appreciate the early morning insights. There's no postponing the inevitable. Your money knew this day would come. And you know what? It can hardly wait to start giving some back to you. When you invest in Stanlib's fixed income funds, you can retire earning a regular income off your investments. Invest for more certainty at stanlib.com forward slash more. Stanlib is an authorized financial services provider and a registered manager. MoneyWeb now on the money.
Chatting with Natalie Kerritt, she's Executive Operations PPS Investments, talking saving for retirement, but doing it tax effectively. Natalie, appreciate the time today. And I think it's brave enough to say that everyone understands that saving for retirement is critical. But what's also equally important is the government actually encourages it with some, with some fairly good tax benefits. Yes, Simon, that's spot on. I mean, I think we, we all get told, oh, are you saving enough for retirement? But we lose sight of the benefit that the government actually gives us there. Um, and one of it particularly is that as much as what they want to get their tax out of it, um, they're promoting that we save for retirement and giving us a opportunity to claim back um, up into 27.5% of your taxable income. Um, and then, of course, to a maximum of 350k for the year. Um, so, yeah, that, that is seem as a no-brainer, um, mm-hmm. but yes, it, it is something that we sometimes lose sight of. And, and that is obviously it's tax year, so it's February. February is the end of the tax year for, for individuals uh, such as us. Um, there are those limits, but I mean, you, you can have a, a peek at your, at your retirement annuity at this point, and if you're, if you're not quite there and you've got some spare cash, there, there's a strong argument to say, you know, put it in retirement annuity, you save tax this year, and then you will benefit when you finally get to that retirement age. Absolutely, Simon. So that it is within a tax year um, up until this month. So we often find in, in our world and um, from a servicing point of view that there is a mad rush actually mm-hmm. to, to try and get to maximize that benefit now, um, <laughs> particularly from, from let's say from tomorrow onwards, like everybody wakes up. But yes, you, you do get that, that benefit. But open above that, Simon, even if, if you have maxed out already for the tax year, mm-hmm. what you contribute open above that, that amount can still be carried over to the next year. So you never lose out on that benefit. That is a critical point. If I put in more than the, the what, 27.5% or 350000 whichever is smaller, I don't lose it. I can roll it to next year. And truthfully, yeah. I, can, I can keep on rolling it until eventually one day I need it, and until eventually That's- I'm not hitting the limits. Yes, absolutely. It continues to roll out, so you never lose that benefit. And, and, and then the profits in the retirement annuity, they're tax-free. That's a huge benefit between now and retirement. At retirement, there are some tax implications, but the first half a million, and you can take a third in cash, and that first half million is again now tax-free. That is correct. So you can take up to a maximum of one-third in cash at retirement, mm-hmm. um, and then the first 500000 of that one-third amount um, would be completely tax-free. The next part, of course, is there's also, and this is a more recent, uh, introduced by then Finance Minister Nklang Klanene in 2015, is the, the tax-free accounts. Now, this is post-tax money, but here all the profits and dividends when you take it out in retirement will be tax-free. Another huge benefit. Yes. So, the, the I guess the biggest benefit of that uh, investment vehicle is in its name is that it is tax-free. So, there, so there's no tax that you pay while you're investing on even after in terms of the interest and dividends income that you may earn, and there's no capital gains tax on that either. And um, so, yeah, over and that's over your lifetime. And the only I guess caveat there is that there is a maximum um, that you can contribute towards a tax free. Um, both within a a financial year and within over your lifetime as well. Yeah, and that it, it's what thirty six thousand a year. Maybe the minister will change it in the budget speech in a couple of weeks, uh, and half yes, a million yes. over a lifetime. Correct. We would really like to see that continue to increase, but um, the five hundred thousand has kind of been a constant. But mm-hmm. we have seen increases in the in the yearly contributions. Um, but like you said, for now it's at thirty six thousand right? My, my sense is the five hundred thousand at this point is moot because it just hasn't been running long enough. So we're not we've only put in some. If you've maxed it, maybe three hundred odd thousand. Yes, yes, for now. But uh, I think it, it will take another. T- 
couple of years, handful of years, and we'll get there, and it won't be that moot anymore. Uh, but for now, yes, it certainly is a, a, something that nobody's really too concerned about. In a recent note you put out, a, a, a really crafty point was around boosting retirement savings, but actually reinvest in the tax rebate from SARS. So if you've contributed to a retirement annuity, you get that rebate rather than a holiday or, or something like that, or the, you know, maybe some debt. I appreciate debt's not a bad thing to pay down. You could actually then use that for retirement contribution or perhaps a tax-free account and kind of fund your retirement thanks to SARS. Yep. Um, I mean, it is, it is pretty crafty. Hey? And it's certainly something that if you're in the position to do so, um, it's, it's worth the consideration. We'll leave that there. That's definitely key. But Executive Operations, PPS Investments, Natalie, really appreciate the time today. And that's our question on our uh, Twitter and LinkedIn poll. Uh, are you maxing out your tax benefits for this year? Um, budgets are tight, though, and so that, I suppose, is the question. Do you have the ability to? Perhaps you're already retired and this is already moot for you. Have your vote, have your say, LinkedIn and Twitter. That's it for today. We were chatting with Laura Cooper from BlackRock yesterday uh, around changing macroeconomic themes in 2023, and it kind of ties in what, what Isaac was saying. Now, the worst case seems to have been fading away, uh, although still uh, challenges ahead. The question we asked you was, do you think emerging markets will do better than developed markets this year? That was Laura's theme. Almost half of you said yes, bullish uh, EMs. Uh, about 30% said too many unknowns. That's a fair answer. The rest, about a quarter, said uh, nope, developed markets for the win. Have your vote, have your say, Twitter and LinkedIn. This show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. We're live every weekday morning, the MoneyWeb website and app, 6.30 a.m. podcast, just after 7. Thanks to my team, Eddie, Nobochle, Nicole, to you for listening, my guests for their early morning. My name is Simon Brown. This is MoneyWeb Now. We'll chat again tomorrow. Coronation, does it offer value? You've been listening to another MoneyWeb Now podcast, posted every weekday at 7 a.m. on moneyweb.co.za. MoneyWeb Now. On the money.